Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for July 30th, 2017. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Russ Dean, co-pastor with Amy Jackstein at Park Road Baptist Church. His sermon today is entitled, What Does It Mean to Be Baptist? Several years ago, we were talking to a children's class about baptism. Our lesson included a tour of the baptistry, you know, the big bathtub up there behind the choir loft that we occasionally fill with water for dunking or dipping just to prove how Baptist we really are. We were standing in the baptistry and we were talking to the children. We were talking about the plain water and the sacred power of immersion. Or that's what I thought we were talking about. One of the children went home and his mother said, asked what the lesson was about that night. And he said, well, Russ and Amy took us and showed us where the bad guys go. So it is with Baptists and our baptism. We have both been misunderstood. When Amy saw the topic for today's sermon, she buzzed me on the intercom and I could practically hear her eyes rolling in the back of her head. Why did you choose this topic again? I smiled a Baptist to the bone smile and gently reminded her that one of you chose this topic, but I was glad to respond again. Humor me or forgive me, but I do think this is important. I think it's important because the sign in our front yard alongside one of Charlotte's busiest thoroughfares communicates a congregational identity and a message. Park Road Baptist Church. It doesn't have to be written in capital letters. That's how everybody sees it when they go by, right? Park Road, oh, that's a Baptist church. For a growing number in our culture, we are the problem. Baptist means intolerance and exclusion, a judgmental and condemning attitude, a mean-spirited fundamentalism, control and conformity, not free thought and free expression. So yes, it is important for you to know what it means to be Baptist. And because I know a little Baptist history, with the frightful state of religious America these days, I actually think the historical Baptist problem, quote unquote, is the answer we need for today's troubled culture. In his brief little book entitled An Introduction to Baptist, Charles DeWeese, the executive director of the Baptist History and Heritage Society, which is an actual organization, and he has an actual full-time job as the director of the Baptist History and Heritage Society. DeWeest says, Baptists defy definition. And he is right. There are high church smells and bells Baptists, like our friends down the street at Myers Park. And there's some Baptists over in Joey Haynes' neck of the woods, you know, almost heaven, who can't even finish the prelude before breaking out their box of rattlesnakes. Some Baptists ordain women as pastors, and some believe only in keeping them barefoot and pregnant. Some Baptists will marry same-sex couples, and some will only condemn them to hell. 
Some Baptists denounce as crude and cruel any thought of eternal damnation, and some proudly proclaim that that fiery destination will be for any and all who are not immersed in their own Baptist waters. The contrasts are as frightening as they are fascinating. So what does it mean to be Baptist if neither theology nor worship style nor ethical conduct defines us? Charles DeWeese says, across the wide gulf of Baptist life, three priorities saturate the entire Baptist story. Freedom, cooperation, and accountability. As another of my Camp Prism songs says it, we've got to understand it when we say that we are free. It doesn't mean we can do just what and where and when we please. No bishop determines our theology and practice, and the pastor's role is servant leader, not CEO. But Baptists have historically relied on a number of self-imposed restraints to our freedom. Baptists speak of the Lordship of Christ, or as we say it here, our life is about the love of God and the way of Jesus. He is our accountability. We talk about regenerate church membership, not degenerate members, but regenerate church membership, which means you aren't just automatically a member because mama is a member. When you say of your own free will and as a statement of your own free faith that you want to follow in the way of Jesus with this congregation, then you can become a member. While Baptists are free to read and interpret the scriptures as individuals before God, we have affirmed that we need some objective guide and we have always relied on the character and the content of scripture for individual and our corporate lives together. Baptists are non-credal, staunchly proclaiming the dictum of the Reformation, no creed but Christ. Years ago, Steve Shoemaker delivered a series of sermons at Myers Park Baptist focusing on the Apostles' Creed. Those sermons and the forced recitation of that creed during worship at Myers Park Baptist almost brought down the steeple on Selwyn Avenue. There was a loud outcry from that very Baptist congregation. We do not believe in creeds. But Baptists have voluntarily written confessions or covenants speaking of our collective, speaking for our collective affirmations. The opening litany that we just recited was the covenant from the Alliance of Baptists. It's one example of a Baptist covenant. As other Protestants did, Baptists rejected the notion and the need of a priest, but we have emphasized the priesthood of all believers, the understanding that we need to be priests to one another. Baptists were not originally dippers, as I just told the children. We are, have been known as dippers, immersers, but our earliest forebears actually baptized by sprinkling or pouring water on the head, Though less than a half a century after the first Baptist church was established, immersion was chosen as the method for Baptist. But from the very beginning, from the first day, believers' baptism, not infant baptism, has been the standard. 
I'll say a word to you about the practice at Park Road Baptist Church, which is not so Baptist, and yet I think very Baptist. Many, many years ago, this church started practicing what it referred to as non-coercive baptism, which means we will accept your baptism however you come to us. If you were sprinkled as an infant and that was good for you, we'll accept that. If you were sprinkled as a child in the Methodist church, as Amy was, we'll accept that. If you grew up in a Quaker church, which doesn't practice baptism, and you've never been baptized, but want to be a member of Park Road Baptist Church, Park Road Baptist Church says, come join. That's not a very Baptist practice in that most Baptist churches do require baptism by immersion. But I think it's a very Baptist practice in that this church was willing to speak out and stand out against the norm and say what's important about baptism is that it be a spiritual experience for you. And if you want to have that experience, if you feel like that experience would speak for something that has happened in your life, then by all means, we will baptize you. And we believe in baptism by immersion because we think the symbolism of dying to Christ and rising with him is important and beautiful. But we practice non-coercive baptism, which is not very Baptist if you ask most Baptists. The final word of accountability that Deweese insists has been part of Baptist life from beginning is what he calls prophetic preaching. The pastors, the preachers, have called their congregations to accountability. So if you want to know why your pastors feel compelled to address contemporary issues that have cultural and economic and political implications, even if it means pushing your buttons sometimes, it's because we are Baptist, and that's what you called us to do. I'm sorry about that. Until the kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven, the love of God and the way of Jesus will always offer a challenge to all human cultures and all systems of government. You can be independent without accountability, but you cannot be truly free accountability. The second that Deweese mentions, while Baptists have always been staunchly independent, we have also been connectional, advocates of voluntary cooperation between individuals and churches. Some commentators are quick to say that Baptists are not technically speaking denominational. Our associations are all voluntary, and they hold no actual authority over the local church. Park Road's cooperation with other congregations across Mecklenburg County was completely voluntary, which did not stop the Metrolina Baptist Association from banning us from that local membership when our affirmation of women and our baptism policy so strongly contradicted the association's stand. In turn, we were Baptist enough to renounce our voluntary affiliations with the state and national Southern Baptist Convention when fundamentalism and intolerance became the rule of the day. Despite the schism in Southern Baptist life that began to divide the nation's largest Protestant denomination in 1979, the insistence on voluntary cooperation continued, and the Alliance of Baptists was born. 
And then the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship was born, a, a home for more progressive thinking Baptists who no longer could find a home in the Southern Baptist Convention. Our church now voluntarily affiliates with both the Alliance, more so the Alliance, but also the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. And my parents always loved telling one story that came out of their relationship with the local Presbyterian pastor and his wife. In our small South Carolina town, my dad was the Baptist pastor and the other was the Presbyterian pastor. They were friends and they enjoyed spending some time together sharing their lives. My parents, who loved Baptist life as much as any Baptist who have ever lived, loved to tell of the conversation about church money when they said, well, you know, the Presbyterians have all the rich members, but the Presbyterians said, yeah, but you Baptists tithe. My parents loved to tell that story because they were proud of the way Baptists give their money cooperating through a generous and joyful stewardship has marked Baptist life. Which might be a good time for me to ask you, are you caught up on your pledge? And some of you are not. And today would be a good time to write a check if you're not. Cooperation has been essential to Baptist life. Voluntary, enthusiastic connectionalism has been essential. But the final and most important word on Baptist is the one that I tell our children they need to remember and really the only word they need to remember if someone asks what it means to be Baptist. The one word is freedom. It's a hard word. We've got to understand it when we say that we are free. What does it really mean to be free? Free from what? Free for what? Are you free? Are you free enough to be bound, as our prayer of confession suggests? Are you free enough to be bound to one another? Are you free enough to be bound to rules that bind us together? How free are you? We've got to understand it when we say we are free. Some people automatically see stars and stripes and hear the national anthem and start praising the good old USA, but that's not freedom, that's patriotism. For freedom, Christ has set us free. True freedom is much bigger than patriotism, and when you start talking about religious freedom in a patriotic context, which is our context, there's a lot of room for error. A book by the same title defines four fragile freedoms that Baptists celebrate, and it's a good summary. Number one, I just sang about this by myself to the children. There's the freedom of the Bible and the church and me, and the last freedom is religious liberty. There's the freedom of the Bible. Baptists have insisted in the right to read and interpret the Bible individually, Though being free does not just give you the right to be a lone ranger, to choose any interpretation you want, or to throw it all out if you choose. It's Bible freedom in the accountability of community. Number two, there's the freedom of the church. 
Park Road Baptist was free in 1950 to accept divorced persons into full participation and membership, even though six decades ago being divorced was a taboo in a Baptist church, and most Baptist churches would not allow you to be a deacon or teach a Sunday school class if you were divorced. And Park Road said, that will not be for us. This church was free to call a woman as your pastor 17 years ago and to let her husband tag alongside even though no Baptist church in Mecklenburg County, I think, had ever done so. We are free to ordain and marry gay members and as part of a growing body of congregations have done so joyfully. Baptists speak of the autonomy of the local church. No one tells this church what we can and cannot do except the members of this church and maybe the Holy Spirit. Then there's the freedom of the Bible and the church and me. Baptists speak of soul competency, individual liberty, liberty of conscience. You stand on your own before God. You are responsible for your theology and the ethical and moral and political and social actions that flow from that theology. We've told you that a few years ago, Amy and I were getting regular voicemail messages left, over, uh, left after hours on our phones in the office. They were from a man who was calling to warn us of our heresy and to tell us that we were going to hell and that you are in danger too because we're leading you down that slippery slope. Excuse me, but I don't think I'm going to hell. I don't know if you are, but I'm Baptist enough to know that if you are, it's in your own, excuse me, it's your own damned fault. I'm not cursing. I mean that literally. Okay, you understand that? You are responsible for your soul. No matter what your preachers preach, no matter what you hear on the radio, you are responsible for yourself. There is a great power in this freedom. Use it, enjoy it, celebrate it. Don't let it go to your head. Remember accountability and cooperation. And the last freedom is religious liberty, which is the most difficult of all. This freedom is ensconced in our, in our Constitution. Government shall make no law. It's respecting the, respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. We speak of a free church in a free state, a wall of separation between church and state, but there is a gulf of understanding as to what constitutes the establishment of religion or the free exercise thereof. It is a freedom most people do not understand as historic Baptists understand it. Evangelicals think very differently than we do about religious liberty, and as they have gained unprecedented access to and influence over the White House, many are concerned that religious liberty is in jeopardy. For example, the president has promised to repeal the Johnson Amendment, which prohibits the endorsement of political candidates from the pulpit. 
The president has promised to repeal that, allowing preachers to endorse political candidates to tell you for whom you should vote specifically. Now, it's one thing to preach on ethical and moral issues that have political implications. What ethical and moral issues do not have political implications? It is quite a different matter to practice partisan electioneering from the pulpit. But a May the 4th executive order, which was praised by evangelicals, told the Attorney General to issue guidance interpreting religious liberty protections. When someone complained that the president was not keeping his campaign promise regarding the Johnson Amendment, his counselor, Kellyanne Conway, said, if they are disappointed, they are not paying attention. Religious liberty is not an easy issue, and it is not going away anytime soon. Let me give you one final example. And forgive me if this is controversial or disturbing to you, but remember, prophetic preaching is part of why you called us here. A few years ago, the Clemson Tigers made the headlines not for playing football, but because their coach, an enthusiastic and outspoken Christian, was leading weekly Bible studies for his team. Now, players were not required to attend but you might imagine a player not feeling completely free not to attend the Bible study the coach was leading. But the news really broke after that hot fall afternoon practice when several members of the team attended a baptism. One of their teammates had accepted Christ in one of the Bible studies, and one of the coaches baptized him that day after practice in Lake Hartwell, which backs up to the football practice field at Clemson University. The Freedom From Religion Foundation, an organization which contests the intrusion of religion into, pu into public life, filed a lawsuit alleging that the state-supported public institution funded by taxpayer dollars was required by the First Amendment to be religion neutral. The foundation saw the Bible studies and a Christian baptism that were essentially part of a public university's football program as an abridgment of the Establishment Clause of the Constitution. Now, conservative Christians, especially in South Carolina, rallied to the school's defense and decried the godless incursion of secularism into our society. They lauded Coach Swinney for standing by his faith in such a beautiful and public way. But there is no doubt in my mind that Roger Williams the ornery founding father of American Baptists would ask us to think again. William said, there is room on that ship of souls for Jews and Turks and Papists and Baptists. That is for Jews and Muslims and Catholics along with the Baptists. Williams decried any coercion of faith as the greatest heresy. And he was exiled from the New England colonies for saying so. Well, if you want to test this religious case, this case of religious liberty with Clemson University, one need only ask if the outcry to support a coach's so-called religious freedom would have been equally defended in the setting of a public university had he been offering Koran studies for players and inviting them to come to his mosque, fast for Ramadan, celebrate Eid 
Baptist, being true to our his, being true to our historic but often misunderstood foundations, have to side with the secularist in this issue. What does it mean to be Baptist? Very simply, it means for you to be you. 100% you. And to allow me also that same freedom in the context of faithful community. I know you well enough to know that most of you are Baptist to the bone. And I'm grateful for it. May it be so. Amen. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.